0: This is the Oanda Podcast, brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. Welcome back to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast. Each week we review the business and market headlines with Oanda Senior Market Analyst Craig Earlham, and a very good afternoon to you, Craig. Good afternoon. We live in dramatic times, don't we? Crazy it's times. so exciting, isn't it? Is it though? <laughs> Here we are, and it's not even going to be March 29th after all that, after all you predicted.
1: It's not going to be March 29th. It's going to be the 12th of April or the 23rd of May, is it? 22nd of May. 22nd of May. May. Yeah.
0: Or none of the above.
1: I really don't know where to go on this at this point because we keep this is this is the problem with all these kind of Brexit flow charts. We we lay out all these timelines, we lay out all these scenarios and then the EU or the UK or someone comes up and goes actually I've decided we can do this instead and all of a sudden it changes the arithmetic on everything so we're left then trying to piece together the puzzle again and decide exactly where we stand. Ultimately we don't stand in any different position it's just that the goalposts have slightly been moved so yes the 29th of March has now become the 12th of April because ultimately if we don't get a deal passed by the 12th of April we have two choices we have no deal or we have a very long extension i think the eu's just given us a little bit more room to breathe but they've given us as much as they possibly can now because when it gets to the 12th of april if we have no deal someone has to be put forward for european parliamentary elections and it needs to be prepared for and that's what the eu said so it's not really a hard end date that's been imposed by the eu it's effectively a hard end date that's being imposed by us because we absolutely don't want to put people forward for the election so it's a choice at that stage and if Theresa May's deal gets through then we crack on as planned and we leave towards the end of May and if it doesn't get through then we've got a serious decision to make.
0: bit of breathing space though for Theresa May with that EU offer of the 12th of April, the pound a little higher, you said all along that she would get the deal through, is it still going to happen?
1: I still think so yeah. The EU could have played hardball uh, this week, they could have turned to Theresa May and said We're gonna make this really really simple for you. Here is a short extension until the 23rd of May conditional on you getting your deal over the line or an agreement in Parliament of some kind or you can request a long extension And we can look at an alternative route, but these are your two options on the table Take that vote back to Parliament and I think that point personally would have been close but I think Parliament would have voted for it because Yes, the Attorney General's advice still isn't ideal, but he would have, I don't know, we've seen things happen so quickly in this process at times, maybe he gets an extra line added to the text which enables him to change his advice slightly to get people on board. But I think what we haven't had so far is an honest vote in parliament one where mps know that this is the last chance the way you vote is the way you stand and you cannot change it we haven't had that yet so i don't think feel like we've had a real representative vote of what people actually think of Theresa may's deal when the alternatives are no deal or potentially no brexit at all and that's what this week would have brought and i think that may have just got it over the line. I don't. I think we would have seen. We, we may have seen either the DUP and the Tories, the hardline Brexit Tories, or most of them either back it uh, and accept it for what it is, or you may have seen some Labour some Labour MPs join it because they don't want. They, they want to be seen as aggravators until now, but when push comes to shove. Is that the reputation they want?
0: But I agree with you. Although this ebbs and ebbs and flows, doesn't it? And one minute you can have a good day for Theresa May, a good weekend for Theresa May, where it, it good soo- hour, uh, yeah. Well, it sounds like a, a, a high proportion, say, are, of the ERG group um, are going to vote with her, uh, along with maybe some twenty or so uh, Labour MPs, and then all of a sudden that dis- disappears.
1: And this, this is what makes this speculation so difficult because we are talking about well probably just shy of 650 MPs ultimately and you're trying to predict which way they all go. But the thing, I, the thing I've just find most difficult is that you've got to try and look through the the rubbish and the rubbish is party politics, which is what we're seeing currently now between Labour uh, and, and the Conservative Party. And you've also got to look through the rubbish of the brexiteers versus the non-brexiteers and the games that are being played there like i've said before i genuinely believe reese morgan uh, et al some of them i think are probably happy to vote for the deal now but they're also happy to play the role of we are voting against this deal when we know we've got another opportunity to because let's see what more we can get out of this deal let's see what more we can get out of europe and let's see if we can get ever closer to that ability to Unilaterally exit the backstop without the oversight of the ecj and they, they, they just feel like they're playing that role But when push comes to shove and you know that right now It's this or this that's when you start to see people's views and we've not had that opportunity to see that yet And that's why Theresa may's deal has been crushed so badly in parliament I don't think it's because parliament is that opposed to her deal It's just playing the roles and that's it's almost a shame that we're not going to see it this week because now that we've got three weeks it's going to continue.
0: But there are some nutters in the ERG who actually want a no-deal.
1: Yeah, what do you do about them? They're the tiniest of minorities, though. You can just mm, let them sit well, there. You well,
0: know, uh, you, you know, even if you take the DUP's uh, proportion of votes, uh, there, there may be a, as many as a dozen or more of them.
1: But this is in a 650-seat parliament, and they, they, mm. they, they have a tiny voice, and their voices may be loud, and they may be getting heard. You're and assuming Labour MPs are going to vote with amount. the government, of course. Well, I, there I, are a few. It, it, you know what, it's impossible to say exactly how people are going to vote, but I do think that, like the ERG, Labour as a party and as a majority of a party, some have obviously gone against, um, uh, gone against the party on a couple of on a couple of votes. But I do believe that there are a lot of MPs in there who have just stuck behind the party for now because they know that this is not the ultimate vote. It will be very interesting to see that when the, when push comes to shove and they have to decide something and Last it, and it counts and it matters. Yeah. Do they stick behind the party, knowing that it could take us towards No Deal Brexit, yeah. in the hope that maybe it takes us towards an extension, or do they actually decide now it's my turn to vote on the deal and forget party politics? And they've got
0: to face their constituents uh, when they visit their, you know, their, their local constituencies at weekends and surgeries and. Um, there will be a vote at one point for you know when they when they stand for election again. If indeed they do, I'm, I'm sure actually a lot of MPs probably thinking that they don't want to stand for election. And a but, lot of them yeah. will
1: represent yeah. uh, the views constituencies yeah. that voted to leave. Yeah, and indeed. There's only so long you can play party politics and decide. Do you know what? Our priority is still a general election, and we think we can create a better leave deal. Yeah. Well, when it comes to that final vote, the general election is off the table at that point, and
0: tell us how markets are reflecting on brexit at the moment I mentioned the pound it's recovered a little bit uh, over the last 24 hours but I don't get a great indicator of which way it's going
1: it's so volatile and that's that's pretty much it um, and that's that's been how it's been for months but obviously you you're heading up into the week before what was meant to be brexit day and the volatility has naturally ramped up we were hanging around the kind of 133 levels against the US dollar um, for for a few days when it looked as though no deal was constantly being battered the prospects of no deal would were being were, were ever shrinking so it was almost like the sterling bulls were willing to hold on thinking yes there's going to be a few nervy days but at some point this deal is going to get over the line or an extension is going to get over the line a bullish scenario is going to happen and then we had those, that 24 to 48 hours towards the back end of this week when things started to look a little bit shaky when the UK requested this extension, it came with this conditionality when M- Theresa May in this desperate plea is outside number 10 telling everyone just how terrible all the MPs in Parliament are and all of a sudden the nerve started to kick in and we had two bad days for the pound and it coming back towards 130 again and yes it's steadied now that the eu has agreed to this um this extension but that volatility is going nowhere um but we are still in that 130 133 range where we've been for some time so as you say we've not really the, the needle hasn't really moved we've just it's it's just been a bit of a wild ride and that's kind of what we've got to get used to. You'd
0: imagine if the deal does go through, um, the pound going up to sort of 135, something like that against the dollar?
1: Well, naturally, I'm, I, I can't give uh, investment yeah. or trading advice, but uh, I, the all I can do is comment on how the markets have acted uh, and reacted to uh, certain developments. And From what I see, the markets are terrified of no deal and they very much favor a deal. Um, they favor anything that could lead to an even softer Brexit or anything that could potentially lead like a second referendum to remaining in the EU. And I think from what I've seen, I think the markets would cheer at uh, a Theresa May deal getting over the line. How far they could go, again, we could sit here and speculate for ages and uh, I'm, sure, uh, you, I'm sure someone will be right. But uh, the most important thing is Theresa May's deal would remove the uncertainty and would remove what little risk there still is of a no-deal brexit and based on how we've seen it before you would think that that would be bullish but markets a can be hard enough to predict at the best of times uh, and b it's not always about getting it right it's about getting it right at the right time because you can lose a lot of money being right at the wrong time
0: no major reporting for central banks coming up over the next few days we did see the bank of england's monetary policy committee voting unanimously to hold interest rates at uh, their current level of 0.75% after weighing up mixed economic data, as it reported. Um, What is coming up over the next few days, which is interesting as far as you're concerned?
1: Yeah, I mean, this this is the annoying thing about the markets, really. You get weeks when everything seems to happen, and then you get weeks when nothing seems to happen. And next week is... It's not nothing. There is there's some economic data we'll see. So I think we get UK GDP and we get a, we get a few other little scatterings of data throughout the week. But this the week we've just had is when everything seems to have happened. So we we got the RBNZ meeting next week. We're not expecting any change uh, in stance there. We are seeing a slightly deflating housing market. We are uh, seeing um, uh, we're seeing the data soften slightly, and they are expected to be one of the central banks who becomes more dovish and very much line up behind other central banks which have already done it the central the the UK central bank the bank of England is kind of the outlier here because we've had two years when we've been very much behind the curve because of this entire Brexit process the uncertainty it's caused uh, the impact it's had on the economy that could provide to prove to be a tailwind for the next 12 months if we get this over the line but the federal reserve this week again was far more dovish actually than even markets were expecting they signaled no rate hikes for the rest of this year we've got to remember it was only about four months ago that they were signaling three rate hikes this year and more to follow the year after to go from that to none this year and one next year that's a dramatic shift but that again is very in keeping with how central banks are are lining up right now in a year that is expected to be challenging and just one more point on that We've just had some data today, so today we're, rec- we're recording on Friday uh, as we always do in the, in the Jazz FM bunker and uh... We've just had this German PMI data. German PMI data, which is very localised and we don't tend to get too much for global responses, it had a big impact across the wider markets. We saw US futures selling off. We saw even the FTSE uh, falling in trade. We saw the euro get battered because the manufacturing PMI slipped to uh, its lowest level in six and a half years and um, completely unexpected. It was already in contraction territory, contraction for a third month. And this was, again, just driven by the fact that export orders were slowing. Now, this tells us a multitude of things. One, it's the auto sector, which is having a big negative impact because we are seeing um, slower growth in the auto sector, China being a a major part of that because orders there are slowing. It also says a lot about the global economy and global economic prospects. It says a lot about the impact of Brexit and the trade war is having on consumer confidence, and therefore um, the the German manufacturing industry, which is quite sizable. And then we've also seen... First time in three years, uh, staffs uh, the staff numbers fall. So this was a big, this was a major worrying point because it says not just something about the German manufacturing sector, but how the global environment is is evolving, which suggests that central banks may be very much justified in their more dovish response.
0: Okay, Craig, we wish you a very good week. Uh, this time next week, it'll be the 29th of March. But uh, after all that, it's not going to be deadline day. How disappointing!
1: But it will be payday. So I mean, <laughs> <And> that's true.
0: <laughs> that is very true. Craig Allen, thanks very much indeed. Thank you.